Wild Coyotes, tonight at 8.30 on the radio home of the Wild. FM 100.3, KFXN, Minneapolis, St. Paul, The Fan. It's Wild Weekly on The Fan. Pass it from Kaprizov, Johnson scores! Now here to talk about the Minnesota Wild and the NHL. From the Wild, Kevin Falness. And from The Fan, Brandon Molesky. Hey, good evening. Welcome to KFN Wild Weekly. I am Brandon Molesky from The Fan. Kevin Falness from The Wild Radio Network joins me as always for an extended pregame tonight as well. We lead you up to Wild versus the Arizona Coyotes in 8.30 start tonight right here on The Fan. And uh, Kevin, good evening. Good evening. We call it a central division collision. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, you know, and it's funny because uh, a month ago yesterday... We had a Central Division collision with these same Coyotes. It was a 6 nothing game. Embarrassing. And I went back and looked at the standings the day after. Yep. Uh, the standings were the Wild. After that game was over, on, on January 14th, they had 39 points. The Coyotes, two spots ahead of them in the Western Conference, at 44 points. A lot has changed in one month, at least, between the Wild and the Coyotes because the Coyotes, since that time, since that 6 nothing whooping over the Wild, have gone 2-6-2. Two, and the Wild have gone seven and three. So now the Wild, we're looking at tonight, going into tonight's game, three points ahead of Arizona in the standings with a chance to uh, get some separation here. Yeah, Coyotes have gone on a bit of a tailspin, and the Wild have kind of resurrected their hopes again. Everyone's ready to bury them, and rightfully so. Going into that All Star break with those two horrendous losses, uh, you know that left a pit in their stomach during the All Star break. But having won six of eight and won their last three in a row, it's put them in a different stratosphere than the no hope that they were that they were delving out there. Uh, meanwhile, the Arizona Coyotes have completely gone in a tailspin. They've lost six in a row, and they're just a shell of their former selves. Yeah, and for the Wild, as you mentioned, the, the three straight wins since the All-Star break. And they came out with a 2-1 win against Chicago out of the break. But, you know, Chicago's... Arguably the worst team in the National Hockey League. And, uh, and, and Vinny Letary, by the way, and, and uh, Lucini drove the ship in that one. Yeah. Everyone else was non-existent. And John Hines was, you know, visibly upset. Even, you know, a lot of times after wins, you don't hear coaches going after their team. But he was after that victory. Then you had the emotional uh, Marc-Andre Fleury flower night on Friday uh, at Excel Energy Center in a game in which the Wild win 3-2. They played with emotion. They played with heart. But I, I thought the goaltending was terrific in that one from Without Flurry. A doubt. Monday's game against Vegas to me was the most complete game they've played in a long time. I don't. Want, I don't want to say all season because I can't remember every single game from the season. But you know, I thought they deserved better than the two-two tie after the first period. I thought they were dominant in the first period and had an unlucky break off a Faber stick and maybe a maybe a weak goal from from Gustafson. But they they played very well. They come out in the third period when it's tied two-two and they score the two big goals. I, I thought they played a pretty close to a complete game uh, in Vegas against a very challenging Golden Knights team. Yeah, on both sides, whether it be uh, offensively, defensively, in goal, Gustafson had his moments. I, the Mark Stone goal wasn't my favorite, and, and like you said, the first one it was a heck the Marcia show one. But yes, it's from far out, you know. And and then the first one, the Marcia show thing, was just a freak thing where it uh, bounced over, it hit uh, off Faber's stick and goes over his shoulder. Uh, so whatever. Overall, how about Marcia show? By the way, missing an open net. Yeah, yeah. In that game, that would have changed things. Exactly. I, I credit Gustafson for what he did, helping him out on the PK, and definitely when the game was in the balance there late in regulation, uh, I thought he was great. But it's that top line, that newly configured top line, where you put a Kaprizov with Eck and Boldy. They combined for three goals, seven points, the game winner, and 17 shots on goal. Uh, so that's all, all part of it. When you talk about full team effort – Everyone contributed, and everyone was fantastic. And Boldy specifically, he's been shooting for quantity lately. Clearly, someone got in his ear about shooting. And I thought Wes Walls, I know you're not on the television broadcast, but on the television broadcast in Vegas, made a, a very good point. And I completely agree with him that, you know, coming out of college and even through the you know the World Juniors, the national stuff that Boldy would play in, like, he was always kind of a pass-first guy. And he's had to transform his game a little bit to be, you know, hey, you're making the money you are now. Be selfish. You, you got to score goals. You got to yeah. be selfish at times, and that can be challenging for someone who's maybe been pass first most of their career. To you know, especially when you're playing with guys like Kaprizov and older veterans, that um, you know, it can be hard to go out and be the guy who's be the shot first guy. And clearly, that message has gotten to him in the last couple of games. And you know, the play he made—it's two-two in the third at Vegas. 
He gets the puck to the middle of the ice, which can be a challenge sometimes. You know you're going to get hit. Uh, puts it in a situation where, where Rossi slash Rossi can score on the rebound. And then one minute later, that was pure effort. Yeah. Right? That was just... And it stunned Aiden Hill. Yeah, but I mean... <laughs> Most players aren't working that hard to get to that puck that you have a very slim chance of getting to. Yep. And that was just pure effort and want to. And maybe once, you, once you're scoring like he has been recently, it gets you even hungrier and gives you more confidence in those situations. But um, it's not just a guy just purely scoring off a skill. Like, he put in the grit on that play, and that was a huge goal. You know, there have been games with throughout the course of this season where sporadically he's been invisible and for a guy that's going to play that role and now especially on the top line you can't be invisible if this team wants to get into the top eight which you know talk about the odds whatever it is but if they have any hopes of getting there he's got to continue to play like this will have that effort and have that drive and exude that skill the kid is one of the 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 most skillful players on this Minnesota Wild roster, and he's got to continue to play with, play like it. Uh, that goal was unbelievable, though. The, the where he it was basically a little flip job by uh, Ryan Hartman from center ice, dumps it in on Aiden Hill, and Aiden Hill was stunned that he turned his legs and, and beat everyone else to the puck, dug it free, and then shot it into the empty net. Uh, ended up being the eventual game winner. Huge moment in that hockey game. You know, I know, you know. I'm not. I'm not fully defending Matt Boldy in the way he's played all season long, uh, but I also think like sometimes we have to recognize your line mates and your teammates have an impact on how good you are going to look in a game. And you know, right now he's playing with Kaprizov, mm-hmm. and Kaprizov demands a certain amount of attention, and that leaves. And, and let's face it, he can pass the puck and set you up and put you in a good spot, right? And you don't have that type of teammate when you're not on his line, and that can affect the uh, the amount of scoring you have, right? Like you're playing with. Johansson a good chunk of the season. You're playing with Ryan Hartman. Like, uh, there's a big. I mean, Zuccarello alone. Zuccarello is still scoring because he gets on the power play with Kaprizov. But five on five, Zuccarello is not as noticeable in the last couple of games when he hasn't been with Kaprizov. Um, at, at some point, you have to also acknowledge your line mates and your teammates are a big reason for your success. Like right now, I don't sound very good because I'm on a show with you. Nice. Yeah, yeah, that's very accurate, and I, I get I get the analogy. You like that analogy for sure. That's a, a dead set for sure. Uh, I, what I like about this is that John Hines isn't uh, afraid to mess with the chemistry a little bit when he sees the yeah. quote unquote passengers going into the All Star break or coming out of it at the United Center against the Chicago Blackhawks. He's a, he's not afraid to to jumble things up a little bit. And I think that's fantastic. He's also not afraid to leave things alone when it's working, and that's why he hasn't messed with the blue line. Really at all. Jonas Brodin comes in, out comes Alex Goligoski. But beyond that, he's got this kid, Declan uh, Chisholm, waiting in the wings. I think he's dying to see what he's about, but he doesn't want to mess with the chemistry right now. The blue line has been that good. It's been great to have Brodin back well, the for last sure. couple of games, right? Against a, a challenging Vegas team, against, you know, the uh, I know Crosby and Malkin are getting up there in age, but they, and, you know, Gensel's out there. There's some talent. And you look at the last, you know, three games for the Wild, they've given up six goals in those three games to Chicago, Pittsburgh, and Vegas. And um, you, you can say Jonas Crosby. Brodin's a big reason for it. But And not to change the subject, uh, I cannot believe Sidney Crosby. He's a lot like Marc-Andre Fleury. They both drink from the same fountain. They had, yeah. do not age. I mean, I can see a little bit of gray hair in Sidney Crosby's <laughs> head. But beyond that, he looks very much the same as he did. Flurry still looks like he's 24. 100%. And yeah. so does Crosby. Crosby does not look like a guy who's pushing 40, as is Marc-Andre Fleury, which is unbelievable to me. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I've really enjoyed it. It, it was funny because those last three games have all been against teams that Marc-Andre Fleury played for. And, you know, here you are, three straight wins. Now, now they can uh, hopefully finish the sweep and get some revenge against the Coyotes tonight. This is our uh, weekly let's talk about Brock Faber discussion. <laughs> you know, I, I kind of funny. I find it funny just following hockey-related people on social media that are pushing the drum, banging the drum for Brock uh, Brock Faber to win the Calder. And like, there's no debate anymore. <laughs> like, right? Like, I think people still think because it's Connor Bedard, because it's his name, because of the way he played the first chunk of the season, that I, I think people are worried that the voters are going to go for the big name as opposed to maybe a little bit of more of an unknown name in Brock Faber just because he's a defensive defense. Well, I don't even say he's defensive defense anymore because he's he's scoring at a rate over the last month that is like at Kale McCarr levels. Um, or, for the he, record, I, I saw that if he keeps on this pace, he's going to set the franchise record for points in a season by a wild defenseman. Yeah, and he's going to, right? Like, what, what what's going to slow up? He's playing power play minutes. Uh, he's on your first power play unit. He's getting you know, almost 25, 30 minutes a game. Yeah. 
he's producing offensively, which is kind of what you need for someone to win a Calder. Unfortunately for defensemen, they're the, but he's elite defensively. He's like no, there's no rookie having the impact he is. He's winning the thing. So let let's like stop with the debate of like feeling like we need to keep promoting him because you don't need to promote him. He's winning it. If the vote was today, landslide. There's it's not even close. I don't know what Bedard's going to do over the final thirty games of the season. He's going to be back within the next week. And if he comes he, out he and he lights be, it he up, he better be pretty darn elite. Couldn't agree Brock more. Brock Faber's elite. Couldn't agree more. And, he, and Brock Faber has been fantastic. But I'm just saying, if Bedard comes out and continues to light it up the way he did prior to fracturing his jaw, then it might be a little bit more iffy because he's got the PR machine behind him, whereas Brock Faber is letting his actions do the speaking for him. Here's the deal. I have read plenty of Michael Russo stuff in my day, <laughs> and I've listened to him plenty of times. So you get a feel for... When someone's saying something, how much they know, right? Like, Russo doesn't just throw things out there for clickbait to try to get attention. Um, Like, when he says something, there's usually a reason he is saying something, because he knows something. Faber's name is already being thrown out, potentially, for the Olympic team in two years. Oh, I would think so, sure. Yeah, but I mean, mean, that's that's the level we're talking about with this guy. Like, we're, we're not just talking about, hey, he's, you know, arguably the Wild's best defenseman. We're talking about a guy who could make the U.S. Olympic team... And, you know, granted, Bill Guerin is the GM and knows him better than anyone at this stage. But, I mean, that's that's some high praise. Yeah, you're, you're preaching to the choir. I, I totally agree. I, the only thing that's going to put a, a, a stick in the spokes is if Bedard comes out and lights it up like he did prior to going in. I mean, Faber just caught him in points, but I know that they're, they're two different players playing two completely separate games. But I still, <laughs> I like to think that Faber's done enough on the resume over the course of a full season, not just with a fractured jaw for Bedard, Faber has earned the right to be talked about in the Calder Trophy for sure, and he's knocking on the door for the Norris. Uh, all right, so let's talk about the uh, the rest of the NHL standings in terms of who the Wild have to surpass. They've passed up the Coyotes, and hopefully they can separate even more tonight as they are three points ahead of them. But still, you got to move up four spots, but you're inching closer to some of these teams. Seattle won again, uh, one last night to, to leapfrog back over the Wild after the Wild had passed them up. But one point behind Seattle, but with a game in hand. Two points behind Calgary, but with a game in hand. Three points behind Nashville, but with a game in hand. And then uh, St. Louis has been the tricky one. They've been pretty good over the last 10 games or so. Five points behind the Blues. Um, but, you know, we're looking at you, you put another good week together here. You might be jumping up into ninth place in the West. I have this argument with Micheletti all the time. He says they're dead and buried. Can't uh, do the leapfrog bit. But which one of those teams scares you? The Blues? The Predators? The Flames? The Kraken? Really? I mean, none of these teams are insurmountable. I'm not saying that the Wild are going to do it. I'm saying there's no reason I think they can't. As much as the Wild aren't scared of any of those teams, the Wild those teams aren't scared of the Wild either. None of these teams on paper look like world beaters. But that's exactly why the Wild should have hope. The way they've been playing and the resume they're putting together, they have the opportunity to make that jump. Now, it's a, one thing to say they can do it. It's another thing to go and do it. But none of those teams scare me. None of them scare you, but there's four. Right, yeah. so you have to leapfrog four, which means like you don't have a whole lot of margin for error the rest of the way. You've got thirty games to go. I think you got to win seven out of ten the rest of the way. Uh, they haven't shown the signs of that this year that they are capable of. The, the the team I saw in Vegas the other night looked like a team that yeah. could, could win seven right. out of ten on the way out. But you know they are in terms of their play, in terms of injuries, like you just don't have a lot of margin for error. They got to get to ninety points, I think. Well, without a doubt, 90 for sure. But when you also look at what's left on the schedule, it's not the toughest schedule compared to the rest of the league. I've seen I've seen those uh, that mark as well. But then also, you're going to have a lot of head-to-head matchups. So you got to win those. You win your head-to-head matchups and win more than you lose down the stretch, I think you put yourself in a good position. I don't think any of these teams are going to go on a massive run in the wild. Have the uh, the opportunity and the ability to do it. Now it's just a matter of going out and doing it. I'm tired. I'm done. I have to go spend some time with my wife on Valentine's Day. You get to work the rest of the way. You've got the extended pregame the rest of the way. Yeah, we're going to go out to Mullet Arena. The Mullet will catch up with Joe and Tom. I think Pat Micheletti is going to join us on the line here in a little bit, and we might even get inside that wild locker room. So lots of action to come. Hopefully you don't go anywhere. Hour and 15 minutes to go. Kevin Falness and the rest of the crew will lead you up to Wild versus Arizona Coyotes. You can hear that game tonight right here on The Fan. This is KFN Wild Weekly. 
Well, how about Molesky just ditching me? Now here I am all by myself. Well, not all by myself. I still got my buddy Brett Blakemore. How are we doing there, Brett Blakemore? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm ready for wild hockey tonight. You ready to call this a must-win contest going into the desert and taking on those dirty desert dogs? I would say the next uh, 20 games are probably must-wins the way it's looking. But, you know, they're they're within striking range. Do you subscribe to the Micheletti school of thought that the Wild have zero chance? Not, not a small chance. He says zero chance the season's over. I think a lot would have to bounce in the right direction of our favorite hockey club to make it in the playoffs. I hope they do. I pray they do. But uh, I just don't think it's very realistic at this point. But I hope they do. We'll see what happens. There is still 30 games left to go in the season. And none of those teams uh, between the Wild and the top eight are world beaters. But you're you're right. Some things have to bounce their direction. We'll see how it goes. Uh, Speaking of Pat Micheletti, he's going to join us about the bottom of the hour. You want to get involved with Mr. Micheletti? This is your opportunity. It's like beyond the pond uh, in the middle of the week. Who would say no to that? 800-320-5326. You can also text us at 64686. Anything on the table. Certainly we can talk Minnesota Wild. We can talk NHL. We can talk college hockey. Uh, Pat Micheletti is open to anything and everything, if you know what I mean. Uh, we'll get to him at the bottom of the hour, but first I want to bring you a conversation from just a little bit ago with the new guy on the team. Have you heard about defenseman Declan Chisholm? He's a new guy, and he was brought in here to help shore up things on the blue line. Well, all of a sudden, the blue line's playing really well, and he's sitting idle waiting for his opportunity, much like he was in Winnipeg when he was picked up off of waivers from the Minnesota Wild. Let's learn a little bit more about Declan, Declan Chisholm, Minnesota Wild defenseman. Good evening, Declan. How, how are things out there in the desert? Hey, Kevin. Yeah, things are great. I mean, the weather's great, sunny. Um, you know, you're jumping out of bed, and everyone's happy getting to the rink, so it's going well. That sounds great. Uh, snowing a little bit here in the state of hockey, Declan, but you're no stranger to that. So enjoy the warmer climate while you got it, because uh, this is what's waiting for you when you get back to Minnesota. Yeah, I'm trying to get as much outside time as I can, but, um, you know, I don't mind the cold. I was used to it in Winnipeg, so yeah, it's nothing new to me. All right, so where are we? I know you're biding your time. You've come into a lineup that at one point was struggling on the blue line. Now all of a sudden everything has been been playing well. Uh, how has it been biding your time, waiting for your chance, and meanwhile getting to know your new teammates? Uh, yeah, it's been great. I mean, everyone's been super welcoming. And, um, yeah, I'm just waiting patiently, working working hard in practice and, and in the gym. So, you know, when the time comes, I'll be ready. But, yeah, um, the team's playing really well, and we're winning games, so the lineup's just kind of maintaining the same. And, um, and until then, I'll I'll just be waiting patiently, and, and I'll be ready to go when, when my time comes. And I, I get it. It's important to be a good teammate and all that stuff. However, how hard has it been to be patient and wait for your chance after, again, considering how things were going there in Winnipeg, in Manitoba, you see that window, you see that door open, you put your foot through it, and now you're stuck waiting again. That, that's not your typical year for a guy that all you want to do is play hockey, right? Yeah, exactly. That's why we play the game. But, um, uh, you know, there's ups and downs to it. You go through bad days where, you know, you're not feeling like, you know, giving it your all on the ice and practice because that's all you do. But um, I, I think reward at the end of it is, you know, if you do give it your all, you can't ask anything else from yourself, especially if you're you're maintaining a positive mindset, which I think I've done most of the time, and um, I've surprised myself with how positive I've been all year, and, you know, I think it'll pay off in the end, because, you know, I'm not sitting around moping, I'm, I'm working hard, and, um, you know, I've been working to be ready whenever whenever that time comes. What has been the message from the coaching staff, whether it's John Hines or any of the assistant guys that are that are working with you? What what are they saying to you? What are they telling you about uh, your time is, will come? Just have that patience and continue to bust your butt, and the good things will happen. Yeah, it's pretty much exactly that. They uh, they said you know they're excited to get me in the lineup, but um, I came in at a time the team's playing really well, the D core is playing really well, and we're winning games. So um, he they they just mentioned. Um, just stay ready, keep working hard, and uh, we'll get you in there soon. So, you know, I'm, until then, I'm just going to be patient and working hard in practice and trying to prove myself um, away from in-game situations. 
Again, we're talking to Declan Chisholm, the newest member of the Minnesota Wild, back there on that blue line waiting for his opportunity. Uh, I, I'd say the vast majority of our listeners tonight, Declan, probably haven't seen a whole heck of a lot of you outside of maybe a, a picture here and there from a, a Wild practice. What are your strengths? What, what would we be looking for? What's going well when you're playing to the best of your ability? Uh, yeah, when I'm on, you know, I'm I'm jumping up in a rush. I'm I'm very quick uh, transition. I'm a smooth skater, so um, I find I can use my skating ability a lot, um, both on the offensive side of the puck and defensive side of the puck, by closing out on gaps, uh, you know, just being tight on the defensive side, and then, you know, having that quick transition where I can jump up to the rush, and then once we do get in the offensive zone, um, I find I can make some nice plays on the blue line and, you know, create offense um, through, you know, just my hockey IQ. I think that's one of my strongest attributes so yeah i think i'm just a solid two-way defender who can bring uh something on both sides of the puck this might be a, a weird question to ask you because the guy that i'm going to ask you about is probably roughly your same age in brock favorite plays the same position um what have you been your impressions about uh, a guy that's challenging connor bedard for rookie of the year which i think at one point at the beginning of the season no one would have thought that would be possible i mean obviously he's uh He's taking advantage of his opportunity, and he looks great out there. I mean, he's uh, he's he's kind of doing doing everything. He's a solid defender. He's he's strong in front of his net, strong down low, and um, it looks like the the guy never really gets tired. Uh, he's he's up and down the sheet all the time. He's he's logging like twenty five minutes a night. Um, so I think he's really taking advantage of that opportunity, and he's um, he's running away with it. I mean, he looks great. He's running the power play right now. Power play's doing great, so um, you know kudos to him, and it's it's nice to watch. And no matter how young or old a guy is, you can always pick up a few pointers from someone's game. So it's it's been nice to watch uh, the past like three games, and um, he's looked really good. He's a guy you did not grow up watching, but I bet Mark Andre Fleury was. He'll be between the pipes tonight as the Wild take on the Coyotes there at Mullet Arena. Um, like I said, my guess is you grew up watching him. What's it been like to be in the same locker room with a future Hall of Famer and then to be a part of that ceremony last Friday when not only did he, there wasn't a dry eye in the house, first of all, but then he stole the show helping to beat his former team in the Penguins. Yeah, it's been pretty cool. I mean, he's, of course, you know, when I was growing up, he was one of the best playing. He still is. And uh, it's a really cool experience to be a part of that whole ceremony and to witness it live. Um, and then to see him in the dressing room after, he's just such a great guy. Um, that's like the number one thing I'd say. I'm just like such a good human being. And I've, I've heard that before coming into the team. And then it's just, you see it right away with him. Um, so um, he's got, he's got so much time for everyone and uh, he's one of the best to ever do it. So it was, it was really cool to witness that. And um, it's nice to see all of his habits too. And, you know, he's, He's not one of these older veterans who's not really putting in work anymore and whatnot, but he's he's still putting in the work and he loves the game, which is awesome to see. He's having fun in practice every day, so it's really cool to see. It's been, uh, yeah. it's been really awesome. Game number 1,010 coming up tonight in Mullet Arena, looking for win number 554. It's ridiculous for Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, so that's what's coming up tonight. Uh, take me off the ice for a minute. You were there in Vegas, saw the Wild uh, get that huge victory over the Golden Knights. What a fun hockey game. A uh, fun weekend, though, as well. You guys landed in Vegas the the day they're hosting the Super Bowl, it's the 49ers and the Chiefs. How'd you uh, take in the Super Bowl? What'd you think about the city? Did you get a chance to feel any of the uh, any of the buzz, even though you weren't actually at Allegiant Stadium? Um, yeah, I mean, when we arrived, it was <laughs> the tarmac was just chaos. I guess there was just private jets everywhere, but um, it was weird. We got we got on the bus and we started driving. There was like no one around where we were staying. And then we ended up going for a walk later on, and we were watching the the game as a group at the hotel. And then we went for a walk later on, and it was just bumping out there. Like the people were everywhere, and um, that was pretty cool to be like close to the stadium um, and in the city after after the win and everything. So um, that was definitely cool. And then the atmosphere, of course, in the the Vegas state arena was just. I mean, it's one of the loudest rinks there is, and it was, it was, it's always cool to to be in that rink for a game. So uh, I think 
just the whole vibe around the city was awesome. All right, so uh, last thing then, uh, what, what do you uh, do? You consider yourself a football fan, and what do you like to do when you're not playing hockey? Um, when I'm not playing hockey, you know, I like to golf and um, you know, hang out with buddies, hang out with family. Uh, I got a younger brother who's nine years old, so I like to spend some time with him, and uh, he looks up to me a lot. So, um, yeah. Um, I like to keep busy. I love playing sports. Any other sport, you know, I'm good good with doing that. And uh, I would consider myself a football fan, but, you know, I'm not like a huge, I don't track everyone's stats. I don't know like every single player in the league. But, uh, you know, I'm a football fan. I like the Ravens, which is funny because my family, I grew up, uh, everyone's a Steelers fan. So I'm like the rival in the family here. I got to go against them. <laughs> there you go, the, the devil's advocate. When you say you're a golfer, are you a good golfer or a casual golfer? Because you've got a couple of good golfers in there, Boldy in particular, Ryan Hartman as well. There are some guys that can hit it in that room. Oh, yeah. Um, there's always really good golfers on hockey teams. It's funny, but uh, I would say I'm pretty good, like like an 8-10 handicap, which isn't like anything great, but it's um, I'm a solid golfer, I would say. Awesome. Well, that's better than me, <laughs> for whatever that's worth. Hey, uh, Declan, really awesome to catch up with you. Good luck here. Let's get you on that ice here real soon, but keep up that attitude. It's been fantastic, and we know that uh, good things are coming uh, right around the corner. Thanks for having me, Kevin. Declan Chisholm, yeah, not in the lineup tonight. No changes to the lineup tonight, and nor would you expect there to be after you take down the defending cup champs in their house. No changes except for in goal. It'll be Marc-Andre Fleury between the pipes as the Wild look for a fourth consecutive win and continue to try to climb the ladder here in the Western Conference playoff chase. We'll take a break, and then when we continue... We'll check in with Pat Micheletti. Yes, my buddy from beyond the pond. My buddy in life. You want to get involved in the conversation? Love to have you. 800-320-5326. You can also text us at 64686. Pat Micheletti is next on The Fan. It's an extended Minnesota Wild pregame. Wild in the desert taking on the Arizona Coyotes looking for a fourth consecutive win. My pleasure now to go to the phone lines and check in with my good buddy, Pat Micheletti. How are we doing tonight, Patrick? Good, Kevin. How are you? I think okay. It seems like uh, hockey weather. Yeah, finally. In Minnesota, I, not, not the desert. I mean, it's hard. Exactly. It's hard to complain about this, and I get yelled at by people in my family. But I've got this fancy little snowblower that I haven't used all year. My entire driveway has been free of snow until now. So I'm looking forward to busting that out if we continue to get some more. Yeah, um, I, I, I hate to burst your bubble. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't think we will. But, hey, for your sake, um, I, I hope. Because you know you got to try that new thing out, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm I'm bummed. But anyway, like you say, it is hockey season. It is hockey weather, and the Wild, boy, oh boy, I, I know that a lot of people, yourself maybe included, and you, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but going into that All Star break after stubbing their toe on consecutive occasions, blowing third period leads, you felt real bad about this squad. But all of a sudden, they come out of the All Star break. And not only have won three in a row, but that was an impressive win over Pittsburgh. And the win on well, Tuesday, Monday in Vegas might have been their best game of the season. Oh, I, I agree. Uh, they, they, they played awfully hard and awfully well. Herein lies the problem uh, for me, Kevin. Uh, and, and yes, there are 28 games to go or 29 or, or what have you. But, but the, you know, I, and, and listen. I hope they keep winning. That would be that would be wonderful. That, that would be great if they could pull pull off a miracle. The, the The question will be: Can they continue to play consistent hockey? And that's been the problem with this team. So, do I trust them? No, I I, I really don't. Um, you know, maybe maybe they'll they'll catch something that you know gets them believing and and playing hard every night and getting contributions uh, throughout the lineup. Uh, you know, that that's what I'm looking for. I, I certainly hope so. And we're just going to have to see because eight of the next 12 are, um, are on the road and uh, that that's going to be the test form. And we're going to, we're, we're certainly going to know a heck of a lot more 
um, where this team at, is at in in about a week or so. We know what propelled them into the playoffs last year. It, it was weird because Kaprizov goes down and they put Boldy yep. in, in with Johansson, and all of a sudden, bang, they, they connect yep. and, and go on fire. Now, coming out of the game against Chicago, John Hines calls out his top six and says he's got too many passengers. So he yep. reconfigures stuff, and he puts Kaprizov with Boldy and Jules Erickson Eck. Now they've caught fire. The last two games they've been great. The most recent game in Vegas, holy smokes, Patrick, they were electric. Yeah, you know, just uh, a little message coming out of the break. And, you know, hey, coming out of the break, everyone's on a little vacation, don't have their timing, whatever. I'm not going to make, make excuses for them, but they, but they bounce back. And, you know, I, I've been relatively happy with the top six all year. Um, Boldy's been a little bit inconsistent, but, man, when he's on like he was the other night, um, you know, you say, holy, holy buckets, man, uh, can this kid play? And so, uh, you know, that that's the thing. They, they need to stay consistent as a team throughout and then just, you know, get that attitude where we're not going to lose. And, and if, 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 they're, if they do that, which is going to be tough, um, then, you know, we'll see, we'll see where it lands. But um, one game at a time, and tonight's another crucial game. You've been – you just mentioned the, the bottom six. What did you think about the play uh, Duhame had at the end of regulation in Vegas? Well, hey, love to see it every night. <laughs> Haven't seen it every night. And uh, you know what? The, the, the bottom six as a group is minus 44. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. And I, I tell you, though, I, that, I know. I, I that know. That being said, that being said, it was a great play. He knocked a guy down, uh, one of the best defensemen in the league, led to an uh, empty net goal. Need to see it every night. It can't be, okay, had my good game. Now I'm going to take six off. Um, you know, that's what I'm talking about when, when I say they need it top to bottom uh, of consistent play. And, um, they're getting that now. They have three wins. Everything is positive. So um, let's uh, keep it rolling. Another guy who was good on Monday and has been good all year long is Wild Defenseman Brock Favor. I know it's your favorite topic, but it came in at six four six eight six. TLT guy says, Patrick, about one year ago, you proclaimed that the Gophers season that that after the Gophers season, Favor would be a top four defenseman on this team. And TLT guy thought. No way, you are out of your mind, you're crazy, and now TLT guy says one year later, he's eating his words. A great call, awesome to see it, Faber has been awesome. Yeah, in, in, uh, in fairness, I, I took that from, um, from, from Brett Larson, from, from David Quinn, who had coached him uh, on the Olympic team, and you know when, when they tell me that they couldn't take him off the ice, yeah, that's all I needed to hear, and uh, and you know, you know, he's he's their best defenseman. He should get votes for the Norris. He should win the Calder. Um, he's just he's meant that much to this team, and and you know, his maturity is is beyond um, his age, and uh, and he, he just he has no fear. And um, I'm I'm you know real happy for him. I'm real happy that the Minnesota Wild um, were able to get him from the the L.A. Kings and. Uh, you know, he's going to have a long, long future here. I, I said the same thing to uh, Chisholm in our conversation we just had that, you know, if you said at the beginning of the season that Faber was going to be most likely the odds-on favorite at, uh, you know, with 30 games left to go, to win the Calder Trophy as the Rookie of the Year, you would have been entered in the preposterous statement tournament. But now it feels like it's his to win. I problem with that. No, <laughs> you got one, didn't you, today? <laughs> yeah, I'm a number two seed, Kevin. You know, I hope you vote for me. I will. Uh, anyway, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, now it just seems like he's not only overtaken Connor Bedard, but something unforeseen would have to happen for him to lose it now at this point. It just feels like he's put so much separation in between him and the idol Bedard. Here's the deal. Okay, let's let's put Bedard in the mix. Okay, let's put him in the mix. In terms of him not getting hurt, you know, I don't know if he would have had, you know, 100 points or, or whatever. Brock Faber, just because he's Brock Faber, yeah, it, listen, he deserves it. 
you know, he's he's toe-to-toe even if Bedard is healthy. I don't care if, if Bedard was, you know, the number one pick overall. I, I, I just don't. What Brock Faber has done for this team, this team would be 20 points out of a playoff spot if he wasn't in the lineup. And what he does on a nightly basis, um, to me, deserves, you know, forget the Calder. He deserves Norris votes. And, you know, obviously a rookie's not going to win that. Um, and he won't get the, uh, uh, a number of votes needed. But I tell you what, name me a defenseman who's been better. Yeah. Name me a defenseman who's been better. Yeah. I, I can't. I can't. You know, I, I looked, and, and he's got, I think he's got more points than, you know, name the top ones, McAvoy, McCarr, uh, uh, our little friend in, in Tampa. Um, he's been great. So. Well, and not only that, Pat, he comes in when the Wild lose Jared Spurgeon, doesn't miss a beat. He comes in, they no. lose Jonas Brodin, they don't miss a beat. Uh, all that is because Brock Faber can play with just about anyone you pair him up with. He's going he's gonna to survive, and, and more than that, he's going to excel. You know, and here's the thing. When we have to start talking about when Brock Faber doesn't have a good game, yeah. you know, I mean, it's very rare, number one, but that's that's what people talk about. And it's like, are you you know, are you kidding me? You know, in the NHL, every star is not going to have a great game every night. But I tell you what, 95% of the time, he's had a great night, and he's averaging over 24 minutes a game. I mean, it's... it's um, it's ridiculous, and you know, good for him. I'm curious how you handle this question that came in at six four six eight six. This texture says, "Patrick, the Govers would have won at least one national championship if Motsko played Faber on the power play." Well, here, here's the here's the problem with that when you when you have um, a Johnson and you have a Lacombe um, who are there who are power play guys. Uh, and then you have your 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 other defensemen. They were seven, eight deep last year. You, you can't play them the whole game. And, and I think Bob and him came to the understanding that you know what, Lacombe's really really good on the power play. He's going to be our guy. And and uh, and and Brock was fine with that. Brock played every penalty kill. Every you know he played the most minutes of everybody, right? And so at some point you got to rest the guy. And and they had the the tools that were there to run a power play that was up where almost 26 27 percent um so you got to rest the guy sometime and and um and you know they they had that understanding so you know that's the way it is talking to the great pat nicoletti top of the hour we'll go out to arizona and we'll check in with joe o'donnell and tom reed while getting ready to take on the arizona coyotes at mullet arena uh this situation out there in arizona pat it feels like we've been talking about it forever Uh, much like we're talking about bringing the regionals to campus sites (laughs) for for college hockey when are they going to figure this thing out in arizona well uh, listen uh, it's a train wreck um i don't know if if uh, if the Coyotes need new ownership uh, or or just uh, you know a, a new voice uh, to get something done, listen. The NHL does not want to give up that market uh, of five million people. You 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 know you just don't. And there's so many snowbirds and 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 if they build a good team, um, people will go there. And but it's got to be in the right spot. And uh, um, you know they they've got to. They've got to have an ownership that's willing to, to step up and do it. And so um, I, I, I don't have the answer. You're sick of it. I'm sick of it. The league's sick of it. It doesn't look good for the league to be playing in a, in a college-sized arena. Uh, it just it doesn't, doesn't give them any credibility, the league, I'm saying, what, whatsoever. Um, so, you know, I guess we sit and wait, but uh, I, I wouldn't wait much longer, that's for sure. No, it in has. Fact, Kevin. I, you know, it wouldn't shock me, it would not shock me if this current Coyotes team moves to um, Utah yep. and then when the NHL starts to think about expansion again, 
Arizona will be at the at the top of the list. Yeah, and, and hopefully they get it right this time. It, it's not that it it can't work. I, we were saying the same thing about Carolina and Florida yep. and teams like that in the Southeast. We were thinking this is never going to work. They pull the plug. No, we were wrong. They've they, they flourished in Raleigh. They've flourished in Sunrise, but they just cannot get it right in Glendale, Scottsdale, Tempe, wherever they put it. It hasn't worked to this point under this well, ownership. Yeah, I mean, when you have the son of the owner or uh, a cousin or somebody running your social media, and, and if you've seen some of the tweets yeah. that have come out of there, you know, they're they're not running it like a first-class organization. No, they've got the yeah. Alex Micheletti yeah, of the yeah. Arizona Coyotes hitting the send button. That's a bad idea, right? Yeah, and, and you know, and, and I feel bad for the general manager, who's a really good hockey guy, and their scouts and their coaches and their and the players. Um, you know, you can't run it Mickey Mouse uh, because, you know, people will notice and it will not be good. And so, um, you know, hopefully they get it figured out and whether that's new ownership and they get a new building, because uh, once they do, I think that that'll be a really good market. And I don't think the NHL wants to lose it. Got to throw a couple of NHL things to you before I uh, cut you off for uh, Joe and Tom, because there's some good things out there, some juicy things including your buddy, Phil Kessel, working out yeah. for the Vancouver Canucks. Is he coming back at the age of 36? Yeah, I think so. Um, and, he, and he will, and he can. And used properly, I I think he can help a team. He's not going to be a top six. He's going he's going to be a power play guy um, and, and used in special situations. And I think if a team has the room and and uses him the, the correct way, um, listen, he can still pass a puck as well as anybody in the league. And and, and you look at him, doesn't have the breakaway speed that he once had, but he can still fire the puck. And, uh, and, and, and listen, you don't lose your smarts. And he's a really, really smart player. And on the right team, with the right group, um, I think he could he could help somebody. Canucks in St. Paul. Canucks are in St. Paul on Monday. It's a matinee, 1 o'clock puck drop against those Canucks that Patrick, they're not even, they're not only number one in the Pacific, they're not only number one in the Western Conference, they've got 78 points most in the National Hockey League so now if they add Kessel, if things work out there, they've already added Zadorov, they've added Lindholm, boy they're they're building a little bit of a powerhouse there in Vancouver They are and they're, and they're the quiet little team, right? When you and I talk about them, talk about the NHL on Saturdays and we talk about the West, well We forget about them I, I forget about yeah. Vancouver. I forget about them, and um, and they are they are really good. And you know, Rick Tockett's done a, a really good job, and they added some beef on the on the back end, which which they needed. Um, you know, they, you, you can say you have Myers, but he's not that type of player. Um, but you added Zadorov, and you know, he hits everything and stirs things up, um, and they're balanced. And they've got guys who can who can score. Besser, Patterson, J.T. Miller's playing, um, you know, as well as any anybody in the league right now. So, uh, and, they, and and Thatcher Demko in the net, uh, who I think will probably be on the, the Olympic team. He's rock solid in the net for him. So they're going to be a tough out in the in that. Uh, Western Conference. One more. Uh, you've been saying on Beyond the Pond and anywhere else that I ask you this question that um, Nathan McKinnon, without a doubt, he's the odds on favorite to be the Hart Trophy winner as the NHL's MVP. I think Connor McDavid was listening as he put a six spot on the Detroit Red Wings last night. Six assists in an 8 4 victory. Is McDavid uh, still lagging behind McKinnon when it comes to the uh, MVP voting in your mind. I have a hard time saying that. I, I, I really do. You did I mean, say it. I, 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 I think they're, I think they're tied. <laughs> I, I have to go that way. I can't pick one because you can't they say are they're both, tied. And, and I hate to compare because both are just playing. They're, 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 they're playing above everybody else. It, it's not, you know, it, it's not even close, and 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 then you got Matthews with what forty two goals, um, and we forget about him. So uh, we, we're we're blessed with um, with some great talent in this league. I wish they would market it a little bit more, a little bit harder, a little bit better, uh, so people can see what what type of athletes we have 
uh, in the National Hockey League. So beyond the pond, 10 to noon on Saturday morning, and you're jetting off to parts unknown again. Where where are you going to be this weekend? I'll be in Chicago, Big Ten Network, and then uh, and then the following week I'm gone too. So I what? won't see you for a while, but but we'll talk. You know what you've done now? This is what you've created. I've been told that we're doing Wild Fan Line after the game on Saturday. Wild hosting the Buffalo Sabres, a return of Wild Fan Line. No Pat Micheletti, so it's me and the Horn. The Halverson guy is coming in, and me and Halvey are wow. going to do Wild and, Fan and Line. I just got word today we're doing it Monday. Yes. Yes, and that'll be good as well. So it will be nice to have you back in studio, but I also will look forward to talking to you at 10 a.m. on Saturday morning. A shout-out to the horn. <laughs> Maybe we'll have to do that. I always appreciate you being available. You're a good man, and I look forward to talking to you uh, Saturday morning, if not before. Yep, sounds good. Thank you. Have a good night. There he is, the great Pat Micheletti, uh, with a chance to extend his thoughts on a variety of subjects as we get ready for the Wild and Coyotes from Mullet Arena. Let's squeeze in a break, and then when we continue, we'll head out to the Mullet, and we'll check in with Tom Reed and Joe O'Donnell next on KFAN. This is Matt Zuccarello, and you're listening to The Fan. Well, my favorite time of any extended pregame is to go to the arena and talk to the voices of Minnesota Wild Hockey, Joe O'Donnell and Tom Reed. Tom, I I assume now at Mullet Arena you're going to tell me outside the building there it's a little chilly, like 63 degrees or something like that? Is that what you're going to try and tell me? Yeah, I actually put on a long-sleeve shirt today. It was uh, a little chilly, so I had to do that. But the shorts are okay. That worked out well. <laughs> Joe, you're missing out. Uh, the first real snowfall of the season is happening as we speak. Oh, I just checked in with my wife on FaceTime, and she said, I'm just getting home to shovel. And yeah. I thought, oh, it's, it's snowing there? <laughs> yes, is it, it really sure is. Is it that much snow? It is. It's not going to stick around for all that long, but, you know, they wait until almost March for the first real snowfall. I feel like I've been ripped off this winter. Me too, because I bought my wife a new snow shovel for Christmas, and she hasn't had much of a chance to use it yet. <laughs> Your poor wife. Uh, what did you think about the, this streak here, Joe? I mean, three straight wins, maybe not the prettiest against the uh, Blackhawks, but these last two have been so much fun to sit through. Yeah, they've they've committed, Kevin, this wild team, and, and that's something John Hines has talked about. You know, you listened to him after the game the other night in Vegas where the Wild win 5-3, and he talked about the process of the two wins uh, over Pittsburgh, over Vegas, and that that's maybe more important than anything, right? Uh, obviously, they need the wins. This team can't afford to falter here down the stretch with just under 30 games to go, but the way they're going about it, the commitment level, the work ethic, you know, they sound like cliches, but ultimately, if this team's going to crawl back into this playoff race and get into the Stanley Cup playoffs at year's end, they're going to need more of that same, that, that physically exhausting type of effort, that mentally grinding type of game, and right now, they're finding ways to win. And, Tom, if they're going to go anywhere, that top six has to drive them. And right now, that top line, especially in Vegas, of Kaprizov, Jules Neck, and Boldy, holy smokes, they're on another level. Yeah, they really work. They have no doubt about it. And when you look at them also, the fact they actually won a game by two goals, which has not happened very much. Usually they're one-goal games here. But that line, of course, you got uh, Erickson Neck had two goals. You have Boldy with one goal. That's the top line on that second line. You have Rossi getting a goal finally. He's he struggled somewhat in that department, but you know what? The bottom line is they won the hockey game, and now they have to keep it going. Three wins in a row. Let's see if they can extend it to four. Boy, and this will be a big one, Joe. When you look at the list of terrible losses this season, maybe someone has a list of the top five worst losses by the Wild. I don't know if that list exists, but if it does, number one with a bullet was probably a month ago in St. Paul, the 6-0 loss against the Coyotes. What do you remember about that one? How did everything go so cataclysmically wrong? I have that list, Kevin, and that game was certainly, if not number one, it was top three. Yeah, um, yeah, it was not a good effort. I asked John Hines about it today, and he said they outskated us, meeting the Coyotes at XL there on January the 13th. They outskated, they outcompeted the Wild, they simply wanted it more. I don't expect that to be the case here tonight. Arizona comes in winless in six, so yeah, they need the points badly too. But this Wild team has not forgot what happened just over a month ago. Uh, John Hines said that as much when I asked him about it this morning. I expect this Wild team to be ready. He wants his group, John Hines wants his team tonight, to really make it hard on this Arizona team. That game January 13th, way too easy on the Coyotes in St. Paul. I don't expect that to be the case here tonight. Tom, they've done so much hard work. Yeah, they stubbed their toe twice going into the All-Star break. But having won six of their last eight, having won three in a row, having played so well against the Penguins and the uh, Golden Knights, that if you let this one slip away, it feels like all that's for nothing. 
Well, you're right, Kevin. You're absolutely right. And the thing is, Minnesota can go back and they can look at games they've lost this year where they should have won. And we remember those games well. But uh, right now, Minnesota's got to find a way to keep the, you know, get, keep that jump going they have right now. They've got three wins in a row. This is another opportunity for them. They've got Buffalo coming in, uh, you know, pretty soon into the Twin Cities. So they've got some chance to make up some ground. But I've said time and time again, you've got to put a string of wins together. And I don't mean by three. I mean by five or six or even seven sometimes if you can do it. They certainly have done it in losing the the, uh, the game sometimes, but right now Minnesota's got to find a way just to continue to get those points. Joe, it feels like the Coyotes are the talk of the NHL, and not for good reasons. Uh, on the ice is one thing with the six straight losses, but off the ice, they cannot get their act together. What are you hearing as you walk around that arena, listen to their personnel about the turmoil they're in the middle of a still? I actually just dialed up an article this morning, Kevin, so it's interesting you bring it up um, about the latest situation here. They're trying to purchase some land in Phoenix, uh, but again, what you know, what I was reading was like just mind-boggling how far away how far away they still are. If all reports are true, like I mean, some of the places they're looking at as far as land goes, they need to put in sewage and everything else in those areas. It's not like it's you know just build your arena and away you go. Like there's they're talking about plots, acres of land that are just empty and would need a ton of infrastructure just to get up and running. So I don't know, it's. Look, Andre Turney was asked about it today, the Coyotes head coach. He said since the article, one of the reporters called him out basically and said, hey, you guys were playing pretty well. And then the, uh, you know, the Salt Lake City news sort of snuck out there. And since then, your team's gone winless in six. Like, is there a correlation? And he didn't deny it. Wow. He said it's a distraction. We've got to fight through it. But he kind of smirked, like, as the reporter was like, oh, maybe there's something here to this. And that the players, you know, were slightly rattled by the reports that this might not be their home in the near future. So I don't have much for you concrete, but you can do your research on it. It looks like it's still an uphill battle for them to find a more permanent home here than the 4,500-seat Mullet Arena in Tempe. You've got about 30 seconds, Tom. It isn't an NHL caliber rink. I know on college hockey it's awesome, and it's not NHL caliber, but I'd have to think the sight lines are awesome. That's got to be a silver lining. Well, I guess the only silver lining, to be honest with you, Kevin, because these are, these are professional players. This is the National Hockey League. They're used to playing in front of crowds of 17,000-plus throughout the league. But right now you're playing with less than 5,000 people. And the problem with that also is that half the team are being cheered by the, the, uh, by the, the hometown team and also by the other half are the visitors coming in to watch the, them play. The so snowbirds. It's really, it is not much fun here. And I can tell you that uh, for the players... This is not NHL caliber. I think they're tired of it. All right, guys, have some fun tonight. Hopefully they can uh, get a victory out of the mullet and make that a four-game win streak. Joe, Tom, thank you. Thanks, Kevin. There they are at Mullet Arena getting ready to call all the action. And, yeah, that's what's on the line here. Not only to keep their foot on the throat of the Arizona Coyotes, put a little separation there, get that fourth straight victory, and continue to climb the ladder in the Western Conference towards that eighth and final wildcard spot. Right now it's held by L.A. and St. Louis, each with 58 points. The Wild are five points back with 53. Two big points on the line tonight if they can get it done. Great to hear from Declan Chisholm, the very new Minnesota Wild defenseman. He joined us earlier. We also chatted with... Brandon Molesky, Pat Nicoletti, even Brett Blakemore. Boy, talk about a wonderful cast helping us through a Wednesday night here in the state of hockey. And the night has just begun. We got the pregame coming up here in a matter of moments as the Wild take on the Arizona Coyotes. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to KFAN.